What's up, wrestling fans, trading card collectors? Welcome to another episode of Wrestling With Cards, the podcast. I'm your host, Zan Morning. You can check me out all over social platforms at Zan Morning. Today is part one of my interview with Mike Summer. For those of you unfamiliar with Mike, he is the host of the Wax Pack Hero podcast, which is a great variety show. He doesn't just focus on one aspect of the hobby. Instead, he gives great perspectives on a variety of topics and sectors within the hobby. In this episode, we have part one, and we'll be talking about how Mike got into the hobby, creating content, and how he became a physical card store owner. So there's a lot of great takeaways from this episode, and I'm hoping it will help everybody listening to this episode, regardless of what point you are and where you're at in the hobby. But before we get into our chat with Mike Summer, just a few reminders of how you can help support my content. Make sure to check out my YouTube channel of the same name, Wrestling With Cards, for great video, visual, wrestling card information. Make sure to check out the other podcast I'm involved with, Worlds Collide. Myself and Tony Vela from WrestlingTradingCards.com get together to talk about all things wrestling. And make sure you check the links in the show notes for links to the YouTube channel I spoke about, links to the Worlds Collide podcast, but also links to other ways you can support the content. Patreon, my eBay store, social platforms, Spotify's on there, all other kinds of stuff, so make sure you check out those links. What's up, everyone? Mike Summer, welcome to the show. Happy to have you on. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. And for anybody that's not familiar with your stuff, because I know there's a lot of wrestling fans on this that maybe aren't as into sports cards, hopefully we can change that, and hopefully we can get sports cards people into wrestling. But people that are unfamiliar with you, just give a brief introduction of who you are and what you do. Yeah, so Mike Summer, known online as Wax Pack Hero, uh, collected you know for years since the '80s. Took a break and came back into the hobby about 2015. And so much had changed since the '80s and '90s when I had last been collecting. One of the the big things that I realized early on was that I was going to need to do something to help offset the cost of collecting in the modern day. And so really started to get interested in buying and selling in a way that allowed me to generate some extra profit to be able to cover the cost of the cards I wanted to keep for my own collection. As I did more and more of that, I found that um, I wanted to be able to give back a little bit and find a way to help other people learn and get back up to speed um, who had been taking a break maybe like I had. And so I started the blog, waxpackhero.com, where I started to both celebrate the, the cards that I was collecting and the cards that I still enjoyed from when I was young, but also to have uh, a focus on the business side of the hobby too, and provide some tips and strategies on how to buy and sell um, to create a self-sustaining hobby. That led to me starting the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute podcast um, a little over a year ago, and I'm approaching episode 100 of the podcast now. And this last summer, during the, the midst of the pandemic, I had an opportunity to buy out one of the local card shops um, in my community and kind of took over the operation of, of running that card shop as a, a part-time side hustle as well. And so I'm involved on both the content creation side of the thing, running an LCS and also selling online. So just I, I'm uh, headfirst in the midst of this collecting hobby. That's how I like it. And we're going to jump into details little by little of everything you just mentioned. So strap in. You're in for a good conversation, everybody. Let's All start right. with wrestling cards. This is a wrestling card podcast. Generally, I like to talk about other stuff too. 
what got you into wrestling cards at any point within your collecting, whether it was years ago, whether you've just recently started, like what got you into it? What sparked the interest? Yeah. So I had a handful of wrestling cards when I was young from the eighties, you know, some of those, some of those cards that came out in the, in the late eighties and, and early nineties, I had some of those, I always watched, you know, some of the, the WWF at the time stuff on Saturday mornings when I was growing up. And so Hogan and Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior and all those guys were were guys that I grew up watching. Um, I, I never got super into the the card aspect, though I did have some in my collection, but but didn't get super into it. Um, as I you know came back into the hobby here over the last couple of years, one of those things that stands out is the nostalgia aspect, and Absolutely. I just had a lot of fun going back and building some oddball sets, building some kind of non-mainstream type sets of the other sports. And I said, you know what? A lot of these, right or wrong, a lot of these wrestling cards from that era could be considered right along with those other non-mainstream releases as an oddball set from when I was young. And with some of those different um, characters and wrestlers, that were big and important to me when I was young. So maybe I should start to explore a little bit more about, about what these are. And so I I started to dig in a little bit by no means an expert, but there's a few guys like you, Brett McGrath from stacking slabs and a few other names. Um, even on the, on the fat packs podcast, um, they would occasionally have a, a featured segment on a, on a wrestling set that started to pique my interest. And so I learned a little bit more. And so I've been, by no means am I anywhere close to the level of knowledge that you've got, but I'm starting to dip my toes in a few sets, um, specifically the Carnation set from yeah, yeah. 85, 86. You, you turned me on to that uh, a couple months ago, and I went all in and, and tracked down all six cards. So I've got that whole set now, which um, I, I just think is great. I, I'm having a ton of fun with it. It's fun that you can build a set that's only six cards first off. And there's yep. great, there's great superstars on there, but also on top of that, the fact that, Hey, I've got these cards that came out of hot chocolate boxes. Like it's just a yep. really cool aspect to me. And that's the one thing about wrestling cards, the uh, just oddball factor. There's so, I mean, it makes it a little bit harder to get into sometimes because you don't have all the information that you do with typical sports cards with checklists and everything, because it's just not out there. Um, I, are you like speaking of food products? Are you familiar with the Quaker dips cards out of Canada? I, I am not. Yeah, that check those out. There's just weird, another weird oddball thing. And those are like, they're, they're, you can't hardly find them. And when you can find them, they're pretty, pretty high in value. I've only seen a couple of graded. I've got a couple of raw ones I'm going to send in. But there's a Hogan when there's like a 1989 Rockers, which has the Shawn Michaels rook. You know, that's his rookie year of cards. And there's a really cool Ultimate Warrior run from 1988 before he was full-fledged Ultimate Warrior, but it's still a WWF product. Kind of, you know, this is just kind of weird oddball stuff that you find when you get into wrestling. Quaker Dips? Yep, like Quaker, the brand Quaker Oats. It's yep. a Qu- Yep, that's that brand. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Those Those oddball food issue type things are some of my favorite sets to collect even going back in the 70s with you know hostess and um kellogg's and some of that stuff on the baseball side so uh yeah the the carnation set was right up my alley and so yeah i'll have to check out this quaker set too speaking of you just mentioned the hostess stuff uh just in general 
uh, for your PC collections, whether it's wrestling, non-wrestling, what is, what are you like all into right now? The biggest thing, you know, so I still have my favorite players in the binders that I started when I was young. Right. So I will still track down some of the Jordans and Kobe's and Cubs and, you know, some of those sports sports cards um, and sports team cards from when I was young and, and continue to build out those binders. The biggest focus right now, though, is probably shifted to be um, vintage. And I've been gradually working my way back um, over the last few years from the 70s. And now I, I've dipped my toes into the 60s. I finished up the 1969 Topps baseball set last year. I'm on the last 10 cards or so from the 1968 Topps baseball set this year. And um, I've just, I've really been kind of tracking those things down and some of these oddball sets like um, the hostess sets and any of those other kind of oddball sets from the, the 70s and 80s um, that dipping my toes into, um, like I said, with wrestling, you know, and track down the carnation set. Uh, when I bought out the store, there was a whole bunch of 87 um, tops wrestling cards and I've got most of that set now I still need to pick up a few to, to finish off that set, but just having fun, really starting to focus on these things that are not mainstream, you know, um, not the big Zion basketball yeah. craze and um, all of that kind of stuff is, is just not appealing to me right now as, as far as something that I want to track down in PC. I'm having a lot more fun on these more affordable, non-mainstream type releases. And that just segues perfectly into my next question. Uh, I've kind of, I guess you could say I preach, I don't know, whatever, uh, about having diversification within just everything in collectibles, uh, investments, whatever. So from a card perspective and hobby, it's like you're pretty diverse. You've got all kinds of stuff. You've got baseballs behind you. You've got the Hacksaw Jim Duggan on the wall and you're collecting right. all, all different kinds of cards. So do you think a diversified collection for your PC, not just, not just stuff you're going to flip, but I mean, you could include that too, I suppose. Um, do you think that's a good approach? Uh, what is good and bad about it? Just give your general thoughts about diversification within the hobby. Yeah, I think, well, so first of all, if you're talking from a PC perspective, I think the PC should be focused on whatever you enjoy and whatever makes you happy. And so, you know, I know there's a few people who, their focus is I want a small number of cards that are the very best possible cards that I could get. And so their whole PC is focused on five to 10 cards that are their kind of dream cards to have. And that's great for them. I know other people who want to have the full run of tops baseball sets and, and that breadth of history is something that is meaningful to them. Right. I have other friends who are, uh, player collectors and their focus is to get as many of one single player that as they can multiple cards of the same card doesn't matter right like they they want yeah. just as many cards of that player as they can or that team that they can but that's what they enjoy that's that's what they find satisfying about the hobby and so from a pc perspective i don't think there's a, a rule of thumb other than your pc should be focused on whatever it is that makes you happy not what somebody else tells you it should be right um from a from a sales perspective or for when i think about the the business side of it of the buying and selling in order to to create a self-sustaining hobby i think diversification is and can be very important from that perspective 
one of the things that I focused in on is more of the lower end side of the market, because there are still a lot of people that, that like base cards that like just kind of standard insert cards, still build sets and those types of things. And there's so many people that are focused on these super high dollar PSA 10, you know, the, the high dollar stuff that they dismiss all of the, the standard base and insert cards is almost worthless. And I'm able to scoop those up for pennies and sell them for quarters and dollars. And that's been fantastic for me to focus on something like that, where a lot of other people aren't because it's led to a lot of, of sales for me to be able to have that self-sustaining hobby. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm kind of all everything you just said, I'm also part of. I like to buy the stuff for fraction of pennies and sell it for after fees and everything a quarter. Yeah. Uh, I like to PC. I recently started. I I just I bought I bought out a collection. I bought actually two smaller collections. I'm flipping through the binders and I'm like, man, all this Shack and all this Rodman. These were my two player collectors when I was a kid. I'm back into doing that stuff. Everything from yeah. low end to high end, whatever I can get. But then I'm also looking at. You know, you mentioned uh, people just want a handful of cards that are the card. So like with Ric Flair, I recently got this really cool Leaf autograph that there's only two of. So I thought that was cool. And then I've got the 82 All-Stars Flair. Like I don't really necessarily need any more flares because those are my two. So I'm I'm, I'm with you. I'm kind of, and then I have a few sets. I have like the uh, 82, 83 All-Stars. I have the 85 All-Stars. So kind of like you said, mixing in with everything. Um, Next question, you kind of mentioned a little bit about kind of getting into the business and what kind of got you started down that rabbit hole. What was the thing that just kind of pushed you all in to the business side? Because I think a lot of people look at this strictly from a collector's perspective, and they don't understand the monetary value of what you can do within the hobby, whether that's to fund your PC or to make a living off of sales. Yeah, so I, I started really small, you know. When I, when I first got the idea, it was selling a little bit of the extra stuff that I had from when I was a kid and, and maybe some of the surplus from these first few boxes that I bought when I got back into it. But then I started to, to have fun doing that. And I you know built relationships with other people in town and the local card shop in town and was able to start picking up some small collections for 50 bucks, 75 bucks, something like that for these first ones. And I would work through it and turn it into a hundred or 150 and been able to take that 150, then buy a little bit more. And as I was doing that and seeing success with that, I was making money, being able to buy these collections to flip, making enough profit to spend some of that on a few boxes for my own collection to be able to add cards to my own collection. And there's just something for me that is so cool about saying, I added this set. I added this card that I've always wanted. And it is essentially free to me because I use the profits from these sales. And that for me is just so satisfying to know that I'm expanding my own collection essentially for free. And now it's at the point where I'm also able to do that, add things to my collection for free and turn it into a legitimate business that is, um, you know, continuing to grow year after year. And so seeing the success is motivating to me. I have fun buying and selling. And so that's motivating to me. The creating content side of things, you know, came on and added on to that. That's been a ton of fun. All on top of getting and building a collection for free. And so it all just kind of continued to snowball and grow as I went, but I started really small 
and it just has been able to grow and grow and grow. And I think that's a great point because, you know, uh, we see a lot of people out here, whether they're kind of old time collectors that don't understand the current market that we're in, or they complain because they can't get boxes at retail. Like there's just so many other ways to have fun within the hobby. And I'm kind of like you, like I started out, I was like, okay, I want to do this to build a collection and make money. But then that came, that started to be like, I care more about buying and selling than I do trying to get the grail cards. But then that also turned into, well, I'm having more fun doing content than I am trying to chase anything. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, started about talk started, or you talked about starting small and then growing big. You recently got a store within a store, a little confusing for some people. I knew exactly what you're talking about when you talked about that. Cause I'd been in a few. So, uh, just tell everybody that backstory and, you know, you started out with a small collection and now you're a store owner. So just talk us through that process. Yeah. So I, from a physical in-person sales perspective, I got my start probably, it was probably late 2016 or early 2017. Um, We had a couple small local monthly shows in our area and I'm friends with, he's like, you should come with me to the the show. I was like, I only have like a box worth of stuff to sell. I was like, he's like, that's fine. Just, you'll have some space on my table. Don't worry about it. You'll have fun. Trust me. And so I did. And I I went with him and I had my one box of kind of probably cards that were anywhere from a quarter to $10 at the most was the, the most expensive card that I had. And at the end of the day, I probably made 25, 30 bucks, something like that, but I had a ton of fun. And so that's what got me started with this, with the kind of physical in-person sales. We gradually built that to have an LCS or a show at the actual shop. And so this shop was, um, had taken over a neighboring storefront. They hosted a lot of like Magic the Gathering tournaments. And so there was a lot of unused square footage on a day-to-day basis that they used and set up tables for these tournaments. Once a month, we turned that space into a card show. Gotcha along with that space was kind of the main entryway foyer and office area of that other storefront. And one of our local friends had, had approached the, the shop owner and said, Hey, you're not using the space. What would you think about me kind of opening a shop within a shop in that space over there? And they worked out a deal and, and our friend ran that shop within a shop for the last couple of years um, and, had, and had grown that and built up a, a pretty hefty inventory. And earlier this last year in, in mid 2020, it had been a couple of years. He was getting kind of, of tired of, of doing that. He, his day job was shifting and he needed to make a, a change in schedule and those types of things. And he approached me and said, hey, would you be interested in buying me out and taking over the shop within a shop. And I talked about it with my wife and talked about it with the the main shop owner and ultimately um, decided to go ahead and do it. And so I went ahead and I bought him out. It came with about a million cards of inventory. It came with my rent prepaid through 2021. Um, And so I've got like no overhead, but I've got several hundred square feet worth of dedicated space where it's kind of like a permanent show setup. And I'm, I'm working it from about noon to four um, on Saturdays and Sundays, um, in addition to my day job, you know, throughout the rest of the week. And so I'm only open eight to 10 hours a week or so, but I've got kind of a permanent show setup inside this other shop. And it, it's been a blast getting my feet wet, 
doing kind of um, a more serious LCS type focus. So that was part one of my interview with Mike Summer. Tune in next week for part two of the conversation with Mike. And in the meantime, check out the show description for the links to Mike's website where you can find more information about him and check out all the great content that he's putting out. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, share this with a friend, a family, a wrestling fan, a sports card fan. Let's just get the word out. Make sure to leave a review. Until next time, keep collecting, and more importantly, keep having fun. I'll see you next time.